Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to another Geek Town podcast. Today I'm talking to Mike Diskett. Mike is a veteran game programmer uh, who used to work at uh, Peter Molyneux's um, Bullfrog. He was involved in the development of the classic Amiga game Syndicate and was lead on Syndicate Wars. And now based in Brisbane, Australia, he's working on a new game called Satellite Rain, which is seen by many as the spiritual successor to Syndicate. As ever, if you want any more news or information about uh, gaming or TV shows or any other geek news, go to the main website at geektown.co.uk. Here's Mike. Hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. What time is it over there? It's like 8pm, something like that? Yeah, it's 8 o'clock Sunday night. Okay, cool. So uh, what is it there? Uh, it, it's just about 11am in the on Sunday morning, so... I'm speaking yeah. to the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just finished watching Doctor Who. Ah, yes. Uh, we, we is that the um, the one with the the flat people? Yeah. Yes. What the do you think? I, I thought I thought I thought that was very good. What do you think of it? Uh, I tend to prefer the episodes that are more um, futuristic or spacey. So, ah. so when they're on when they're on Earth. I'm always a bit disappointed. Yeah, no, I'm. I am kind of with you on that. It's um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's good, but um, I like the fact that they've gone a bit darker this season. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it, it seems to be. Uh, I think just having the older, older Doctor, I think, has uh, has made them go a little bit darker. But yes, I know what you mean. I like the space ones as well. So anyway, <laughs> uh, having got slightly sidetracked, uh, we're on to talk about uh, satellite rain. Uh, your yes. your game, uh, which uh, now I I was I was watching this having kind of somehow missed the Kickstarter for this. I watched it thinking, oh that looks good. That looks like an, a, a a kind of really nice new version of Syndicate, um, and not realizing who you were. Uh, <laughs> so um, so yes, that sort of makes sense now. <laughs> yeah, we get we actually we get a lot of comments like that on the videos on YouTube. Yeah. People going, this this looks like Syndicate, <laughs> and then people tell them, yes, it's the spiritual successor. <laughs> it was kickstarted. Yes, yes, no, I I, uh, I I saw that, and and ironically, looks an awful lot more like Syndicate than the game that EA 
release that that was called Syndicate, of course. Yes, yeah. Well, that that kind of is what what brings us here today. Yes, is uh, the fact that they turned it into a, an FPS. Yeah, which is a very bizarre decision. Um, I suppose it's trying to sell stuff across consoles, and they think it's more difficult to do the you know the, the sort of standard RTS sort of game. Um, yeah. On, yeah, well, on I console, mean, but... EA doesn't doesn't sort of get out of bed in the morning for less than kind of hundred million dollar games. Yes, well, that is true. <laughs> so they they probably didn't see much return likely on a RTS. Yes, well, quite possibly. Um, so do you want to do you want to just uh, give me a bit of a pitch about the the game just for people that haven't um, seen haven't seen any of the videos and stuff. Okay, so um, it's uh, Satellite Rain. It's the spiritual successor to Syndicate and Syndicate Wars, a franchise I worked on 20 years ago at Bullfrog. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the premise of the game is that you control um, a handful of agents, um, cyborg um agents inside a futuristic cyberpunk dystopian city um and you're you're kind of playing um you've got four agents in the city that you control by telling them to go places and you're left clicking and right clicking to go and shoot and interact with things and hack hack terminals yeah Um, so it's kind of a kind of a sort of diablo perspective i guess with that kind of uh High up camera, looking yeah. down into the world. Yeah. Um, the and you kind of play the the fifth agent because you're you're viewing everything from um, your your kind of drones in the sky. Yeah. And you're you're controlling what the agents in the field do. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I was watching some of the uh, the video footage of I, I don't think it was you actually I think it's some somebody demoing it. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was probably Chris. Was that was it the beardy guy? Uh, yes, yes, it was. It was yes. the beardy guy. It was Chris. Um, yeah, the um, of of them wandering through uh, a city and then rescuing one of the agents out of a, a police um, sort of area. Um, yeah, it looks absolutely stunning. Um, the, the the city areas. Are are you free to just wander around? those in the in the same way you sort of were with the with with syndicate um well to to some extent you are the um so the that video um that was shot is in uh the downtown district okay and the, so that so the city is kind of split into districts yeah um so we've got uh downtown um cbd uh industrial a kind of residential section called the grid. Um, so, so we've just released an alpha build with um, that just contains the downtown area, right? Uh, which is which is quite a massive area. It's probably bigger than all the syndicate and syndicate wars maps combined, <laughs> right? Um, on on one map. Uh, so that you you can you can move around within this one district, um, but the this kind of there's locked barriers between the districts and right, it's okay. um it's kind of an orwellian everyone's got to have the correct paperwork and 
um, you, you need permission or you have to be able to fight some serious um, corporate people to get through to another district. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, and as well as that, it, within a district, there's lots of facilities and compounds that are protected. So you can't, you, you, well, you can just wander in, but you're likely to get either arrested <laughs> or, or shot at. So you need to be prepared. Okay. So when you're, uh, when you are sent out on missions, you obviously have one um, key thing that you're supposed to do. Are there side things that you do in the city as well? Yes, well, um, one of the kind of bugbears I've got about computer games is I hate being sort of spoon-fed missions. Right. Um, so I, I hate it when you have like, right, here's your mission, go, like, oh, the classic of escort missions. I think everybody hates escort <laughs> missions. Yes. You know, like, go take, <laughs> take this person from A to B and there'll be some attacks at various places along the way and it'll play out the same each time and... You're, uh, the guy you're escorting will plod along. and um, So what, one of the things we're trying to do is we're making it much more where you decide what the mission is. So right. it's kind of, it's a little bit more sandboxy okay. um, in that the, the world exists. It's full of potential missions for you. You're, you get some hints and guidance along the way. Um, but we're we're very much trying to encourage the player to decide things like, well, if I go attack the facility that where um, the CCTV monitoring happens and destroy that facility, then that gives me um, time to take on another facility having knocked out all the CCTV cameras in that area. I see. Yes, that makes sense. Um, and uh, and also like those. There's facilities which are uh, R&D facilities for weapons. You you can choose to go in there to kind of get uh, weapon research items. Um, so there's there's kind of there's lots of facilities throughout the world, uh, throughout the city that they're kind of the the static. Um, there's a base. It has defences. You can plot various different ways of getting in, um, and the, the, there's different rewards and different kind of. Some of them will be better protected than others, so you need to kind of identify if you think you can um, sort of take on that facility with the the weapons and the power-ups you've got. Right. Um, the augmentations that you've been able to get for your agents. Um, but there's also um, this concept of VIPs in the city. So the city's got kind of the background population, but there's also a lot of people who are... Um, kind of VIPs and uh, they have an interesting part in the storyline or in your ability to make use of them. Right. So it might, it might be that there's a, there's a guard um, at a facility and by um, you can find out who his wife is and perhaps by threatening his wife, you can black kind of blackmail him into giving you access to the facility. Ah, okay, cool. So there's a there's a few different ways that you can interact with the VIPs. There's um and and guards and what have you. Is there's uh you can kind of hack into their their neural implants. Right. Uh, you can you can attempt to bribe them. Um, you can threaten them, and you can threaten them, kind of, just personally threaten them, or you can then start to threaten sort of family members right. if you've if, if you've previously gone and found a family member. Yeah. Um, so there's, it's kind of, 
trying to give the player more ways to interact with people in the world and make use of the people than you could in Syndicate and Syndicate Wars, which was you could just kill them. Yeah. Yes. So you have slightly more <laughs> options this time, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Good. Cool. Um, how far away are you, do you reckon, from um, uh, completing or releasing? Um, well, there's... What we're going to do is... So we've just released... Uh, well, it... We've just released a build to our alpha backers. Yeah, it's actually a pre-alpha build, so right. it's um, it's kind of because we're going to be releasing on Steam early access in uh, December. Oh, awesome! Okay, so we'll be we'll be releasing an early access build, which will kind of be our true alpha build. Yeah. Um. So to give our alpha and beta backers versions before it goes public. We're kind of releasing these pre-alpha versions, right? Okay. But they're, they're actually, um, um, even if I do say so myself, they're pretty <laughs> stable and pretty, pretty reliable for an alpha build. That's that's good. I mean, that quite often you do get people that that to, seem to go to Steam early access and have got barely got anything kind of usable or playable in in a game. So it's, uh, but and I think that possibly does them more harm than good. So it's. Yeah. I think it's it's much more sensible to to do it the way that you're doing it. Yeah, we had a guy on our on our forums who was like, "Yeah, I've completed the whole thing now, and uh, the, like the whole of this district." Yeah. This and uh, we were so we were like asking him how long it took him. And he said, "Well, I started about ten o'clock in the morning, and I played it solidly all day till about six o'clock at night." <laughs> so it was like he just sat there and played through nonstop. <laughs> ten, 10 hours wow that's uh, and 10 hours for one district is a, is a, a, a reasonable run if you're duplicating that off uh, across everything um, that makes it and how many districts did you say there are uh, there's four districts and then there's kind of a fifth uh, final area okay so potentially you could be looking at 50 hours of decent gameplay in that <laughs> yeah the um it depends how much of a completionist you are. You can yes. you could potentially race through and try and skip as much as possible and uh, try and take out. So that there's kind of a, one of our backers is the evil CEO of the uh, of the corporation that's running the city. So he's the ultimate bad guy that you're going to take down. Right. Okay. So you could. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. kind of rush headlong towards that and hope you've accumulated enough power along the way to be able to take him on. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, but, um, yeah, I think 50 hours wouldn't be an unreasonable, like, completionist amount of time. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that that seems like a, a, a fairly uh, decent number, I would have said. So, uh, what what's it, it coded in? Is it is it entirely in Unity? Yeah, so it's it's completely in Unity, um, using C Sharp, okay, the 
Microsoft's um, .NET language. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, and it, it has been a battle along the way trying to sort of squeeze in this massive city into Unity. Yeah. Um, we kind of work in Unity on little areas, like maybe a tenth of a district in memory at once. Because, uh, unfortunately, Unity's only 32-bit. Right. So And so by the time you've got all the memory of stuff for the editor, you don't have like the the full memory available for the game so uh, it does tend to crash a bit if you try and load too much of a city in there <laughs> right yeah it, it was interesting i was at the uh i was at the play expo in manchester last weekend um and there's a lot of independent game developers there uh, and i'd say most of the guys i talked to were building stuff in unity um it, it seems to be the thing that pe- that people use these days <laughs> Yeah, well, it's uh, it's pretty user friendly. Although I think uh, Unreal Engine Four is gonna pick up quite a few people now with its it's come out real cheap. Like, okay, what is it about twenty dollars a month or something? Uh, that's that's not bad. Is, is um, does it have the the ability? Because um, I was t- told one of the reasons they use Unity a lot is because it makes the cross platforming so much so much easier. Um, yeah, yeah. If if you want to go. Um, kind of cross-platform between PC and mobile, then there's no, not really any choice other than Unity. Right, okay. So, coming to that, is, is that what you're... Are you planning to launch this on mobile devices as well? No, that's, that, that's not one of our goals. We're very much kind of dedicated to PC, um, like desktop machines. So yeah. we're, we're coming out... We're actually shipping on PC, Mac, and Linux. Okay. And uh, our alpha build just went out same day on all three platforms, which is one of the things that Unity is really good at. You just kind of choose a drop-down box, and you, ten minutes later, you've got a Mac build. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see an appeal with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like back in Bullfrog days, it was like, right, now we hire a Mac programmer, and six months later, we get a Mac build. Yes, yeah, no, that's I, I, I remember those days quite well. Because, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, Steam has also made a huge difference to the game industry as well, because uh, with that supporting Mac and, and PC in terms of being able to deliver the content is, uh, is quite good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, it's, it's interesting because, I, I mean, I, I find it very difficult to actually go into a store and physically pick up a game these days. Everything seems to be coming through. Certainly for for uh, for PC, uh, it's very difficult to find boxed PC games. Um, they do have a few in game, which is about the only kind of place that you can buy stuff on the high street these days. But most people, I think, buy PC stuff and and probably Mac games off Steam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't think I've even been in a game shop for <laughs> in the last couple of years. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's the interesting thing because I mean, going back to um, the the early days of sort of you know when you started and uh, yeah when you grew up on gaming. I mean, I grew up on Spectrums and Amigas and you know that sort of thing. Uh, and and you can go you know you you go down to a local shop and you bought something on a on an audio tape. Um, and they were little indie games that people had done as bedroom developers. Uh, and we sort of lost that as we got 
as as the sort of industry grew and grew and grew, and the but the indie games industry through things like Unity seems to have uh, and, and making uh, making it a lot more accessible and stuff like Steam where you can get your content out there seems to have shrunk it all back down again. So you can be a one man developer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a it's a real return to the eighties, nineties in terms of kind of creativity. I think it's just kind of the indie scene is where all the creativity is because the big budget AAA titles can't take any risks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's very true. I mean, the you look look through some of um, a lot of the games I buy. I'm very much like you. I, I buy, I, I do buy some AAA games, but I mean, most of the stuff that I buy tends to be um, little indie things. I mean, one of my favourite games, um, which I've spent hours and hours and hours on, is um, uh, Prison Architect. Which is, you know, again, he's still in alpha. So, yeah, yeah, I I bought that, and uh, I've only actually spent probably about an hour and a half, two hours on it. Really, that's mainly that's mainly because I can't stop playing FTL. <laughs> yes, I have bought FTL as well. That's FTL's a phenomenal um, game, and it, it's it's the fact that that. Um, you, it's it's so harsh, in it, it, yeah, it, you know, <laughs> so so harsh. Um, but yeah, the FTL's fantastic fun. Um, yeah, I've, I think I must be getting close to two hundred hours on it now. Wow, <laughs> that's that's impressive. And I, I've beat it on easy, and I've beat it on normal, and now I'm just torturing myself by trying to beat it on hard. <laughs> oh my god! No, I. Uh... There's there's so many great little independent games that are being funded, you know either either they're just being built by one guy in a room or they've managed to get a bit of Kickstarter funding. Um, how is how is the Kickstarter experience for you, by the way? Um, kind of terrifying because <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, <clears throat> at the time we'd all just been made redundant from Sega. Sega had shut down the studio in Australia. Ah, right. And okay. uh, we, we were actually just in our final days at the studio and none of us had arranged, arranged sort of any interviews or any other jobs because we were just putting everything into the Kickstarter. So yeah. it was like, it, it was a month of watching the graphs and the the there's like a trending, whether you're trending to succeed or fail. And yeah. that, it was always kind of just on the border. It would, it would... <laughs> Like one day it'd say yes, you're you're trend, trending to succeed, and the next it'd be you're trending to fail. It was like <laughs> tear your hair out. <laughs> but it, I mean, it was a great it was great in terms of there were so many people who were really passionate about the game um, on the on the Kickstarter forum, and they were kind of the people who actually got it over the line by just being really proactive on our behalf and you know, yeah. go, going out and. and selling the game and pitching the game to their friends and on other forums and so it was like it was it became quite a it was quite a nice community to to be part of yeah it it seems to be again there's it's another thing that's kind of seems to have come up which is helping um sort of build that independent independent um game market you know because people are finding it much easier or or you know much much more direct route of of, uh, of of getting backing. Yeah, yeah. It's just it, it's just difficult to 
there's so many games fail to yeah. to reach their target. The process you go through in getting a successful Kickstarter is a lot like the process for getting a successful game at the end. Yeah. In that without you kind of it's all about building up um the the attention from the public because it it's like if you don't get the page views on the Kickstarter, then it's not gonna pass. So yeah. you, so in, so unless you can get the public interested in the Kickstarter the same way that you'd have to get them interested in the final game if you were selling it on a website. So it's it's a similar PR experience. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's uh, it's good that you actually uh, you know you you do have that option without having to go through some enormous studio these days though. Yeah, yeah. The I mean the getting funding from a publisher is just it's almost impossible. I I, I used to run a company called Mucky Foot Productions. Yeah. Um, which back in kind of the end of the 90s early 2000 and you would even if the publisher really wanted to work with you it would be six months of negotiation before you finally saw like a check so if you so if you couldn't fund yourselves for six months then you wouldn't you wouldn't really um like be able to even survive that process yeah that's ridiculous and you just the problem with a lot of those sort of studios I think uh, at this point is they it's it's hard for them to move quick enough to fund the smaller games even if they wanted to do that you know Um, yeah yeah I think we you do see a bit of it now with um, I think Sony's moving quite quickly to pick up a few indie games to they obviously want to get the game support on the new consoles. Yeah. So both both Sony and Microsoft, they're kind of the the two biggest supporters of indie at the moment because the, the big publishers don't aren't really interested in. Like there's nothing in it for them because the, yeah. the games at best are going to make like a million dollars, so it's like not worth their attention. Whereas the console owners clearly want to have lots of titles on their platforms, and if they can be exclusive, then all the better. So, yeah, yeah. I've got one final question, which uh, we always uh, ask people because the website um, that I run covers a lot of TV shows. Um, so, one thing we always ask people is, "What's your favourite TV show?" <sighs> Do I only get to say one? Well, no, go on. You you can you can have a couple if if there's a few fighting for. Okay, well, um, well, I tell the ones I'm watching at the moment. Yes. Are um, strangely, I'm watching Breaking Bad because <laughs> I never I never watched it in the uh, the first time it came out. That's when it... that's unbelievably popular. Breaking Bad. Whenever you ask people, so, so that you're in good company. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm actually halfway through season five now, so okay. don't yes. spoil it for me. I, I, I won't. It is an incredible show, though. Uh, Parks and Rec. Oh yeah, addicted to that. Yes. Uh, what else? Community. Yes. Yes. Um, that's probably it. I can name a few more that I watch. I'm watching. Uh, Orange is the New Black on Netflix. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, I, that's a great show as well. And of course, Doctor Who. The... Yeah, and, of, and Doctor Who, the aforementioned Doctor Who. Yes, yes. What What are you thinking of Peter Capaldi as the uh, Doctor? Um, sometimes, sometimes I really like him, and yeah, um, 
other times I find him too abrasive. It's like it's it's not he's not being dark. He's just being kind of mean. Un- <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like they're try- they're deliberately making him un- unlikable. Yes. So like a dislikable character, and it, sometimes I think they they go too far. But uh, yeah, I. I think he's going to be a, a good doctor by the end of the season. Yes, yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I, it, it's it's definitely a change, and I I did uh, I did worry that maybe they didn't uh, um, manage to alienate some of the fans that have grown up on the new Doctor Who um, with that. But uh, um, he seems to have gone down okay so far, so uh, I'm I'm happy about that. But. Uh, Right, we've we've been on for half an hour, so I uh, I shall let you get back to your Sunday evening. Okay, thank All you. Right. Uh, yes, yeah, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I uh, uh, look forward to, to seeing the uh, the game come out. I will be buying a uh, a um, early access uh, when it comes out on Steam, most definitely. So cool. All right. Okay. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks so much. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.